0: What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Wednesday, September the 19th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got the all 22 breakdowns, notes on the offense, the defense, and the play calling from the victory over the New York Jets. Then we turn our attention to the Oakland Raiders as we cross over with Locked On Raiders host, your boy Q, and finally, your Twitter questions. But first, before or any of that, we kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and leave us a review give me a follow on twitter it's at wingfield nfl i have all the gifs and cut-ups from the game every single tuesday for you guys on that twitter account follow the show at locked on fins and of course check out locked for all of the updates on film analytical data and everything regarding the miami dolphins and of course the other locked on sports family of podcasts like the locked on heat podcast and locked on raiders podcast to get caught up on all the dolphins opponents this year We have a very, very busy show to get to today, so no Mad Dog. Let's kick things off with the All-22 review. That's another Miami Dolphins. So putting the finishing touches on the Jets game, the Dolphins now 2-0, as you guys all well know. Let's go ahead and start off with the quarterback and his passing chart from this game. And look, this was not Ryan Tannehill's best game, despite what the box score says. And it's a great example of how the box score can inflate statistics to look like the player played better than he did. It just wasn't happening for him, both from a read standpoint, comfortability in the pocket, though his accuracy was there. And that's the most impressive part about all of this, is they complete so many passes. And that great quote that I put up on Twitter the other day from Jordan Palmer, via the, lock, the Move the Sticks podcast, talking about how every completion forces the defense to or put strain on the defense. And I love that quote. And that's what Tannehill has been doing. He was 15 of 17 in terms of catchable passes from zero to 10 yards or behind the line of scrimmage. He was three out of four in the 11 to 19 yard range and just over one downfield. So the Dolphins kept the ball close to the line of scrimmage. He had only 5.68 air yards per pass, but just 3.57 air yards per pass. If you take away that deep bomb, on his 31 snaps or dropbacks, whatever you call it, I gave him five airs. He missed a read on the first pass of the game. He missed another read on Jamal Adams' sack fumble. He had an off-target throw to Kenny Stills on a speed-out in the second quarter. He took a sack from Henry Anderson where he dropped the football and just looked awful in the process. And of course, he barely overshot Albert Wilson on that go route. However, they did move the sticks a lot better this time around. Five out of 11 on chain-moving opportunities on third down. And though it was not his best day, he did recover enough with enough big plays to give him an inconsequential performance for the day. So I have winning performances, inconsequential, and losing. He now has one winning performance and one inconsequential performance on the year. A good start for the Dolphins quarterback now coming off of that 637-day layoff. Let's go ahead and shift gears here quickly and talk about the ground game diversity. We saw power. We saw wildcat. We saw split zone, outside, inside zone, a double reverse Running the football out of 0-1 personnel... This offensive game plan really tailors to what they see against the defense every single week, and it's working. Obviously, 4.4 yards per carry, 127 and a half yards per game. And Laramie Tunzel is the one that's absolutely getting after it on that offensive line. His footwork has been phenomenal. His hand placement has been great. He's getting good drive. He's dropping a good anchor. He looks terrific on the left side of the offensive line in both aspects of the game. And then Mike Kosicki as a run blocker, his effort is there. And that's almost half the battle, probably even more than half the battle when it comes to a tight end contributing in the blocking game as far as the rest of the offensive line we know Ted Larson struggled in protection but he was passable in the running game thought he had some good drive and sealed off some backside gaps for Kenyon Drake the receiver struggled a bit in this one with separation on the perimeter I was curious about that and their inability to uncover down the field or quickly on the outside and the all 22 did confirm that not their best day but this is a tough defense they're going up against Again, not the offense's best performance, but I do think that there is plenty there to work with. The play calling has been terrific so far. And that final drive where Ryan Tannehill zone read them to death with the running game from the quarterback, the quarterback keep, that was set up by the incessant use of the zone read give earlier in the game without the quarterback keeper. So fantastic job to get that set up for a six minute game killing drive. And then lastly, before we go over to the defensive side of the football, the dump off to Frank Gore with that seven man rush against a six man protection was was an excellent job by all parties involved. Ted Larson did his job. Frank Gore snuck out. And Ryan Tannehill, if you have more rushers than pass protectors, you're going to have to make a man miss. And he did it twice within the pocket, got the football out, won the game. Great job all around on that play for the Dolphins. Converting a third and 19, and we're complaining about it. Just consider the context to that. All right, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the football. And this started off with the defensive tackles and Kiko Alonso in this game. These guys absolutely punished the Jets center Spencer Long and the impact of coach Chris Kusarek and what he has meant to this team in terms of that upfield, playing with your hair on fire, penetrating style has really taken effect because these guys are rotating. They're staying fresh. They're all playing right around 25 to 35 snaps in the game and they look dominant in this one. Just taking turns beating up on Spencer Long and James Carpenter with plenty of run stuffs, pass rushing, everything looking good, and Kiko Alonso getting the opportunity to play in space, not that true middle linebacker position, has had a great impact on this defense because he's getting his run keys figured out quickly, doesn't have to shed blocks, which is what he struggles with, and he's making a big-time impact in the running game, and being a playmaker, causing turnovers, and the issue with this defense still remains linebackers in coverage. Raquan McMillan had a bad day in that regard, not ideal. I think he might be a two-down player going forward I still wish the Dolphins would use more dime defense on third and long that bit them again on third and 15 and back to the front line really quick here Robert Quinn and the impact he has had bending that edge the sack numbers in this game weren't eye-popping but these guys pressured the crap out of Sam Darnold and you could see the impact it had with how uncomfortable he was inside that pocket Cameron Wake had four pressures. He was impactful, as was the interior rush of Jordan Phillips inside. So great job from that front line. The eight-man rotation working wonders so far. And speaking of working wonders... This secondary might be the very best in all of the NFL. These three corners, whether it's playing the run, playing the outside screen, slipping blocks, man coverage, properly passing off their guy in zone coverage, all of this ability and impact allows so much freedom on the back end with the robbers, the safeties acting as robbers, I should say. And that alone has resulted in two picks, one from McDonald this week, one from Rashad Jones the previous week. And this wasn't the best game for those two safeties. McDonald had that pick, but he missed a couple of tackles. Rashad Jones. Jones was guilty of a couple of missed tackles once again but luckily everybody else was so dominant that just didn't matter so Matt Burke getting these guys coached up Chris Kusarek, the defensive line coach doing a fantastic job the defense just looks absolutely swarming and dominant at this point point. and we're going to have more for you guys in this podcast including an interview with Lockdown Raiders host your boy Q but first a word from my bookie and one of the cool things about doing a podcast and being so well invested in the National Football League as well as college football is that ever since I started this podcast I get asked all the time for advice and it's usually about which team to bet on and whether I give you the right answer or the wrong answer I do know this you got to check out my bookie because it's not about who you're betting on it's just as important about who you're betting with and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie trust me guys they are the best bet you'll make this season they've been in business for years have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service to my listeners that has been good to me and that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie where you win and they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. And since my bookie is so slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible, if you're willing to deposit your money after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over Over $100. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar when you use promo code LOCKEDON to activate that offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E and don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. And it's up to you guys, but I would wait until after dinner and take the extra money, getting that extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKEDON25 for that free $25 at my bookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. This segment on the podcast here, I am joined now by the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. He is your boy Q. Q, what's going on, man?
1: Man, chilling man, chilling. the uh, Raiders haven't started off too good, man. O and two on the season and so uh Looking forward to this three, week three matchup with the Dolphins. A little nervous, but still feel like it's going to be a fun game on Sunday.
0: And the Dolphins are uh, surprising a lot of people right now, and and this game could really boost them into a 3-0 start for the first time since 2013. Let's go ahead and get right into the to the content, talking about the Raiders and Dolphins here. And I want to start with asking you, Q, about the John Gruden era, which is off to a bit of a rough start. And one of the things I've noticed personally, and I think everyone kind of has the same idea, is that they begin games looking very sharp early on on the offense side of the football and then things sort of come to a halt. Is that a result of a strong play script and then an inability to adjust or what would you attribute to those problems?
1: Well, I think that they feel really good about themselves in the first half, just like they did against the Rams and again against the Broncos. And really against the Broncos, they, they dominated that game, should have won that game. But uh, John Gruden, look, Tigers don't change their stripes. And when he was the Raiders head coach before, what he did is he got a lead and he kind of wanted to milk that clock. He wanted to run the ball, run the ball, just suck the air out of the stadium. And, you know, when your defense isn't that kind of defense that can just shut it down and shut the door down, then you're in trouble, man. You got to score some points. You got to keep your foot on the gas. It is 2018. Some things that worked back then and I know, you know, the running joke was always going to take it back to 98. I get it. That's cool, whatever. But at some point, man, you got to continue to go ahead and, and feed you know, some points on the board and if your defense is not ready, and look, the Raiders' defense is not ready, I think that they're going in a good direction, but they're just not ready to take that step where they're finishers. They're just not, so the offense is going to have to put it on their shoulders. John Gruden's going to have to put it in his head and his playbook to go ahead and finish the game when they have opportunities, and perfect example on Sunday against the Broncos, they just failed to to go ahead and, and put the nail in the coffin. I mean, they had about three or four opportunities to do it, and they didn't get it done, so that kind of uh, activity results in a in, in, man and, and unfortunately for the Raiders they start out
0: 0-2. Yeah and the personnel on that side of the ball isn't a bit of transition but flipping it over to the Dolphins defense and something they have struggled with for a while now is the, the damn tight end position and Jared Cook got the Dolphins last year on that Sunday night game. How are the right. Raiders maximizing his strengths in the passing game?
1: Well I mean it's funny man against the Rams you know obviously they have two really strong corners and Talib and, and Mar- Marcus Peters so you kind of knew that the 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 wide receivers Amari Cooper, Jordy Nelson weren't going to have big games. They were just going to basically try to eliminate those guys. So that leaves well, who who else could be a, a a matchup nightmare? Jared Cook could be that guy, you know. So that's how Derek Carr all of a sudden decided that that was going to be. Yeah, Jared Cook could be that matchup nightmare, you know, and that's what we saw from, uh, you know, him and Derek Carr. They had a really good connection going on, and then for some reason, Derek Carr decided to go away. And obviously, that was, you know, the Rams decided to make some adjustments. They have Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He knows how to change the game. And that was kind of a failure for the Raiders to make adjustments at halftime. I thought that that was a, a big area that they messed up in. but. Uh, Derek Carr, you know, comes back in week two and and still hits Jared Cook with four or five good passes, and he's been really good for the Raiders, so if the Dolphins have a problem covering the tight end, if they struggle to cover the tight end, it could be one of those long, long games where Jared Cook, you see that number 87 called all day long, and I mean, he, he really, like I said, it's been a matchup nightmare. He's, he's been an animal. He looks like he could have a real big season for the Raiders.
0: And that certainly happened last year in that matchup. And hopefully the Dolphins can get that corrected from our side. Obviously, you guys are hoping for something else. But you mentioned the Rams cornerbacks. And that's been one of the strength of the Dolphins roster so far. And I'm curious because when he was coming out of the draft, Amari Cooper was one of my favorite receivers I ever scouted in the draft process. But he had that down year last year. You come into week one, he gets three targets, one grab, nine yards. And then last week, he explodes. He caught every target they had, 116 yards. What's going on with that dynamic there with Amari Cooper in this offense?
1: Well, in week one, you know, when you go back and look at the coach's tape, which finally I went back and looked at after I got over the disgust of the loss, uh, I saw that Coop was open. He was open three or four times, and Derek Carr just has to trust him. You know, and I've seen that over the past few years. Derek Carr, he, he wants to get the ball out of his hands so quickly. He wants to make sure that he doesn't have to worry about the pass rush. And Aaron Donald and Ndamukong Sue I mean, you know, he was in Miami. He, I mean, those guys are up the gut. Those guys are studs. And so he was really trying to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. Donald hit him low early in the game. And after that, it just kind of seemed like he was shell-shocked a little bit. And if that's what it takes to make a quarterback shell-shocked, i will take a 15-yard penalty once. You know what I mean? Like, that's... That's actually a good strategy if that's what the strategy was. But Derek Carr just never seemed the same after that. I just think that he didn't give the effort to, to hit Amari and get him going. John Gruden called Derek Carr out in the, in the media after that saying, he was open, we had shots, we just didn't take it, don't know what it is. Next week he comes back and you see 10 targets his way, 10 catches, 116 yards, looks really good. I think we'll see more of the Amari Cooper we saw against Denver. Maybe not 10 catches, maybe not 116 yards every week, but... We'll see Derek Carr making a real effort to get the ball to Amari Cooper, especially if that pocket can stay clean.
0: Yeah, Aaron Donald is an absolute nightmare. And, I, you know, speaking of creating a pass rush, one of the things we saw with the Raiders' pass rush in that game against the Broncos was they kind of ran out of gas there towards the end. Would you attribute that to the mile-high factor, their conditioning? Where would you come down on this Raiders' pass rush in this now post-Khalil Mack era?
1: I mean, they just don't have one. Yeah. I mean, on. Let's just call it what it is. You know, they, they don't have a legit pass rush. They have guys that might get there every once in a while. They have guys that might get there when Paul Gunther calls the blitz. But if they don't get there on the blitz, you know that's how you get burned. So Paul Gunther, he hesitates to call the blitz. They don't have a real deal guy who can just fill that void. They can't do what we saw Khalil Mack do on Sunday night football against the Packers. We, he, they don't have what we saw Khalil Mack do against uh, who they played last night, the Seahawks uh, on Monday night football. We They don't have that guy. They have Bruce Irvin, and I've said it multiple times, and I don't mean to be disrespectful, and I don't mean to sound disrespectful. He is a number two. Yep. He's a Robin. He's not a Batman. You know what I mean? He's just he's he's Scotty Pippen at best, but he's nowhere close to Michael Jordan.
0: And that was the so same. Oh, I'm sorry, go you ahead. know,
1: he'll never he'll just never be that guy. I mean, you know, hey, you know, you go to a store, you go to a restaurant, and you get burgers and fries. Fries are nice, but you go for the burger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he, he's the side dish. And you, you saw that kind of in Seattle a little bit when using that defense. So that's a great point. He, he's a good pass rusher, like you mentioned. But like you said, yeah, definitely helps to have the guy to, to give him those one-on-one matchups. But let's go ahead and talk about the ground game now, because a big surprise this season has been the Dolphins' rushing attack. 127.5 yards per game, 4.4 yards per carry is number four in the NFL, having a lot of success with a variety of different running game concepts. Who do the Dolphins have to get blocked on that Raiders defense to continue that success on the ground
1: well what i like is i like the rookies man i like the young guys and then on top of that uh you know John Gruden and company signed Jonathan Hankins just last week, and, and he's already been in there getting work. Uh, they signed McDonald last week. He's been in there getting work. They did really well against the Broncos. And, uh, you know, again, uh, you got you got uh, Maurice Hurst in there. He, he's been doing things. P.J. Hall is going to miss this game, and that's unfortunate because he's a young up-and-coming run stuffer as well. Jelly Ellis, he's on IR, so he's going to miss this game. But as far as just stopping the run, I mean, it's going to really rely on the guys, like I mentioned, Moe Hurst. Uh, Jonathan Hankins, we'll see McDonald get some uh, rotation in there as well. Those three guys are going to be relied upon real heavily to stop the run. And unfortunately for the Raiders, uh, week one, they they, they they were able to shut Todd Gurley down somewhat in the first half. But in the second half, he exploded. And in Denver, they did, I, they did really good, actually, in the first half. In the second half, well, their running backs got loose again. And I think a lot of that had to do with elevation. You mentioned that earlier. They were just gassed. You could see it. I mean, they, they were on the field way too much. So the offense is really going to have to help the defense by staying on the field longer so the defense isn't on the field all the time.
0: These crossover podcasts are great, man. They give us so much insight to the opposition and save me a lot of time in terms of film study and all that stuff, getting prepared for the game. Once again, great stuff. He is your boy, Q. Q, tell us where the people can find you at.
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter all the time, at your boy Q254. That's at your boy Q254. I also uh, host a a radio show in Central Texas, ESPN Central Texas. If you're ever just curious and want to check in, tune in radio, KRZI. You can find us there. And, again, like I said, man, always on the Locked On Raiders podcast. And uh, most, most importantly, if you, again, if you want to hit me the easiest way, is always on Twitter, at your boy Q254.
0: Fantastic stuff, man. He is the host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast. If you guys want to hear him interview me talking about the Dolphins matchup with the Raiders, you can check that out on the Lockdown Raiders podcast. Q, we'll talk to you again soon, man.
1: Sounds great, man. Thanks for having me on.
0: And there he goes, a fantastic interview there talking about the Oakland Raiders. And I do apologize for some of those technical difficulties we had. My computer froze up on me for the first time ever in 253 podcast episodes. So my apologies there, but we got him back. I think he did a good job of transitioning right back into his conversation. That's a tough ask to do for a podcast host. So big ups there for your boy Q. We'll see him on Sunday as the Raiders come to Miami. Nothing is going to top going to an NFL game or a live concert event. Any live event is the best thing out, the funnest night out. And that's why I'm here to tell you guys about Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events you want to go to. And you can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving listeners an exclusive promo code for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code On. that's all one word, Locked On, for $20 off orders of $200 or more. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games, every Miami Dolphins game you want to see, to the hottest theater and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code LOCKEDON for 20 bucks off orders of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite event. I keep saying it over and over again, but I absolutely love those crossover podcasts. Like I said, saves me a ton of time. And if you guys want to check out my comments on the Dolphins-Raiders matchup, check out the Lockdown Raiders podcast. He should have that thing up for you guys right now up on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast from. And speaking of fans and talking to you guys... This episode is going to run a little bit long today because I have some Twitter questions to get to. I did not think I was going to have that crossover podcast, but I'm glad we did. Let's go ahead and wrap this podcast up with your Twitter questions. First one here comes from A.A. Dominguez at Rotomus Bowtie. <laughs> Great name. Do you think this team slash culture will have a quote-unquote letdown game? coming off two wins in a row, feeling good, Raiders aren't very good, plus the Patriots week coming up. And I love that question because I actually covered this in the podcast. I think what the national media and their perception of this team has done for the Dolphins has prevented them from getting complacent. They have so much more to prove, even the power rankings, which I was going to cover today, but we have way too much content to talk about some crappy power rankings. I think that has created a chip on this team's shoulder in us against the world. a hashtag keep proving these bitches wrong. From Frank Gore, I think that mentality is going to permeate throughout the course of the season. We saw it manifest with the Eagles last year, the underdog role. I see no reason to expect this team to get complacent because as much as we want to think athletes don't look at this stuff, it gets through to them. It does every once in a while. The bad stuff will find them. They're going to read it. They're going to find out about it. And I think Adam Gaze has used that to his advantage. He has leveraged it into a us against the world mentality. And I think this team is not going to have trap games or letdown games this season. Next question comes from Colin Campbell at C June camp. Why does it seem that even when we're running the ball effectively or not, that we tend to stay away from the run or abandon it altogether. I don't know how to answer that question because Ryan Tannehill has the fewest pass attempts of any starting quarterback in the league. So they've ran 60 plays in both games. I think Tannehill has 53 passes, so they've been a more run-heavy team, which is a total surprise to me coming into the year. Next question comes from the man, the myth, that's at the man, the myth 45. Am I the only one who thinks Devontae Parker coming back is going to significantly open up our passing game? And where is Mike Gasicki? A good job getting both those points in because those players are similar in what they can do for this offense. I think Kasicki is going to wind up being a bigger impact player this year. I've talked about Devontae Parker pretty negatively since I got this job in the Locked On Dolphins podcast host chair, but... I do agree that he offers an element that these other guys don't have. And we didn't see any red zone offense on Sunday because Tannehill threw two touchdown passes from outside the red zone and they ran the ball on the other trip into the red zone. So I think he could help you out in terms of getting you into matchups where you can have fade options on either side. You can have big bodies on either side. And I think they will find a way to use that. I trust Adam Gase to find a way to get these guys incorporated. And I think Devontae Parker could have an impact. I'm not counting on it, but I could see it happening next question comes from carlos ortega at c ortega 24 and this question actually got answered on the lockdown raiders podcast i did today would you think using howard to shadow cooper and minka to shadow cook could completely shut down oakland i think that you should have and howard travel with with amari cooper because that's the kind of receiver he's had success with and shutting down in the past as far as minka on cook i don't see it happening because if they're in nickel then minka going to be in the slot and if they're in base then Minka's is going to be off the field so i would do that carlos but they're not going to do that that. I hope it happens soon. We'll see how quickly they make that change. Next question comes from Justin Miners at JJ. My- JJ Miners how soon do you think Gasicki will be in the offensive game plan is Gaze maybe holding that wrinkle for later in the season absolutely good teams do this all the time there was a great special on the New England Patriots about how they found something in the Baltimore Ravens in like week six and they held it off until the playoffs and came back with it and just annihilated them with that unbalanced package so I think that Gaze has a plan they are working really hard to get him involved as a run blocker and he's doing an okay job in that department I think he's doing enough he's willing he has the effort effort. And I think that the more they get him involved in that aspect, he's going to take on some passing concepts and they actually are rolling coverage to him. I posted a gif of Danny Amendola's over route on the Ryan Tannehill charting project where Mike Gasicki ran a clear out route and he pulled the safety away to open that route up. So there's opportunities there. Just going to take a little bit of time and just trust in gaze he has a plan for this team. All right, guys, I have a lot more Twitter questions to get to, but that is my time. I have to stay within the framework here for the network, so I will answer those questions later in the week, so stay tuned for those. We will get back to them. I promise. I'm also going to probably pop on the Raiders and Broncos game tonight for myself and get a good look at them and get you guys reported back on that in terms of my scouting evaluations. But as for the show tonight, guys, that is my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our daily Dolphins blog at lockedondolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up, guys.